Amazon's got everything you need for your dorm. From everyday essentials and school supplies, to clothes and decor, to bedding for... Power naps. And regular naps, too. Save on all things college at Amazon. This summer, when the sun's down, turn up the fun at Cedar Point Nights. The ultimate after-dark beach party is every night from July 29th through August 21st. Dance with throwback DJ sets, challenge your friends with beach games, or just take it easy at fire pits lining Cedar Point's legendary mile-long beach. Then enjoy the new Lake Erie Luau, a food experience like no other. For a limited time, get park admission, luau tastings, and parking for just $69.99. Only at cedarpoint.com. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Now this week we are talking about one of the most famous events in all of history as far as I'm concerned, and I can't imagine there is one person on the planet that does not know of these events. We are talking, of course, about the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. But to think about the attack on Pearl Harbor, we need to know why it happened. So this episode obviously will include the attack and we'll talk about the basically the biggest blunder in military history, um, dragging the Americans into the Second World War. Had that not have happened, you could potentially be talking about a very different result to the Second World War. Um, I think everybody in Britain will admit that had the Americans not intervened, the Second World War could potentially have ended very differently. Um, When we look at Japan, we have to ask the question, why did they attack Pearl Harbor? So the reason for it actually does make a little bit of sense. Obviously, it doesn't make sense now. Um, but at the time, I can understand the reasons for it. Now, prior to the first, uh, sorry, prior to the Second World War, Japan was in a position of expansion. It was trying to expand its uh, empire to pretty much the most of Southeast Asia, and it had made some pretty good stands in that point. It had taken over um, Korea, it had taken over much of Manchuria, and it was raging war with China into 1939. Japan was left with two options, okay? They had very limited resources in their country, and most of their oil came from other parts of the world. For Japan to carry on fighting a war, they needed to keep control of their oil. They needed to have fresh oil coming in, fresh uh, raw materials to keep their war effort going. And they were left with two options. One option was to attack the northern parts of Asia, i.e. Siberia and Mongolia, which would secure the oil-rich fields of Siberia and give them the raw materials that they need to carry on their war effort. This was backed by the Royal or the Imperial Army. This was a, a 
a plan that the army agreed with. And the second option would be to attack the southern Asian continent and attack places like the Philippines, Indonesia and places like that. The only problem with that is although these areas again are rich in oil and would benefit the Japanese war effort, these areas to the south were actually controlled by the British and the Americans and the Allied forces. At this point obviously America weren't involved in the war. So Japan were thinking if we attack the south we will be dragging America into the war. Which let's be honest Japan was well aware at this point that had they brought, Japan, uh, brought America into the war they would lose. They were not prepared for a drawn out war with the United States. They would never win. They knew they weren't going to win. And the plan was to go north. This failed catastrophically. Their army was defeated um, on many occasions and had to withdraw from from the north of uh, of Asia. This meant that the southern plan, this plan was actually backed by the Imperial Navy. Now, the Japanese Navy, as I'm sure you're aware at this time, was rather large. It was one of the best navies in the world. They outnumbered pretty much every navy except for the British. Um, they were a real power, powerhouse navy. At the time, America wasn't as big. Okay, I believe at the time the American army was at the 18th biggest in the world. Um, I believe their navy was around the same. They, you know, they were a small country in comparison to other countries on their their armaments or, or their war efforts. And this was because America was had no interest in getting involved in another European war. They weren't interested whatsoever. But they knew with Japan extending south, they had to do something. So what they did was they emplaced a sanction on Japan, which cut off all trade with Japan. Now, considering at this time, 80% of Japan's oil came from America, all of a sudden, Japan was left pretty much helpless. Another around 10% of their oil came from South Asia, from the areas that they were about to attack. In other words, the British cut them off from their oil as well. Meaning Japan had lost around 90% of the oil it was importing in. They had no choice. They had to they had to successfully take South Asia. And by doing this, they realized that they were going to be dragging America into the war. And the plan was to cripple the American attack enough for them to be able to take South Asia without the American intervention. Now, the American fleet at Pearl Harbor, the Pacific fleet, this was the biggest threat to Japan because it could mobilize very quickly and it could put in a decent enough defense to either halt or stop the Japanese advance. Now, Realistically, the Pacific Fleet on the US was not going to be powerful enough to stop the Japanese, but it would have been powerful enough to hold them up long enough for the British Royal Navy and the Allied navies to get there 
and wipe them off the face of the earth. And they knew this. Now, this is why they made that attack on Pearl Harbor. So, that's the reason for it. And now we shall look at probably one of the most famous days in US history, and that is the 7th of December, 1941. So for those of you who have worked out, yes, that was 80 years ago. The Japanese set off 11 days prior to the attack on Pearl Harbor under complete radio silence to travel the thousand or so miles to Pearl Harbor to within attack distance. Now they sent around a dozen warships along with six aircraft carriers to create this attack. And it's fair to say that the Americans at the time had absolutely no idea that this was going on. The Japanese did all of this in total secrecy. So on the 7th of December, the Japanese created their attack or started their attack. And about 8 o'clock in the morning, 5 to 8, 180 Japanese planes took off and started their attack run on Pearl Harbor. Now they aimed for the Pacific Fleet and they aimed for the airfields around Pearl Harbor. And the plan was to take out as many aircraft as physically possible to basically cripple the Americans to a point where they cannot fight back. And this is what they did. You know, they they went straight for the airfields. The first wave of bombers hit the airfields. The second wave of bombers went for the went for the ships in port. Now, the Americans believed that with it being quite shallow at Pearl Harbor, that torpedoes would be essentially useless um, to f- to sink any battleships. And unfortunately, in this instance, the Japanese have created a new type of torpedo that uh, didn't have to go as far into the water to to create damage. And, and well, the damage that created was was catastrophic. Within the first hour of attack, two American battleships were sinking. Uh, two had actually capsized, and another two were extremely badly damaged. Um, and it took them less than an hour to create this amount of damage to the US Navy. Now one of the main reasons they wanted to sink a battleship was pretty much for propaganda reasons. They believed that if the Americans saw their fleet under attack and at the bottom of the ocean, that they would not want a war with Japan. They believed that the Americans would be so against a war against an an enemy that would you know could crush them um what they weren't expecting was what actually happened was as we've said and i'm sure many of you americans have heard in many many terms uh, they awoke a sleeping giant which is exactly what they didn't want to do unfortunately that is exactly what they did do and the attack was meant to be a knockout blow. It was supposed to take the Americans somewhere between six months and a year to replace that fleet at Pearl Harbor. Um, and again, as we know from history, that's again, that's not what happened. Um, the Americans hit overdrive and started churning out battleships every, every other month. 
um, they started churning out a bigger navy, a better navy, a faster navy than any other navy on the planet. Um, towards the end of the war, they even outnumbered the British army, uh, the British navy. Sorry. Um, now, considering the British navy has been the dominant navy or the biggest navy in the world for hundreds of years, this was one of the first times when they were actually outnumbered. Um, so they really weren't expecting the response that they got. The plan was, America doesn't want to get involved in the war. America's not interested in a European war. If we can knock them out straight away, they're going to just sue for peace. And yeah, I believe they, with with the Japanese, as I'm sure many of you know, Japan has a very different culture to the Western world. And I believe they saw America as quite a soft target. Whereas in Japan, you know, it's almost if it's almost expected that if their navy loses a battle that the the generals and the commanders are to commit suicide or what they call Harry Carry um, they are expected to go down with their ship. They go down with the the rest of their soldiers and so on and so forth. Um, they're expected to be battle hardened and battle ready. And I think they saw Americans as as a bit of a, a squishy enemy, an enemy that didn't really want to fight, didn't really want to get involved. Um, and you know, rather than getting involved, America would just sue for peace and. Well, like I said, like I said earlier, that's we know from history that is not the case, and I, I believe they completely misunderstood the Americans um, because as soon as something like this happens, um, America, you know, they they fight for each other, you know, and and this is the the patriotism that was shown in every country um, shone in America after Pearl Harbor. Everybody was wanting to get involved um you know men signed up in their thousands to get involved in the fight because this was completely out of the blue to america or so you would think so america actually had intel around the 1st 2nd of december that a an attack from japan was imminent that the Japanese were planning some form of attack on the Americans. So this is what they believed. They did believe that that something was going to happen, but they didn't know when, they didn't know where, but obviously they did know who. Believe it or not, on the 7th of December 1941, the first shot to be fired was... American. It was a torpedo sent at what they believed was a Japanese submarine. This was the first shot fired on that day, and it took a handful of years later to recover that submarine that was actually sunk at Pearl Harbor on the first day. So, believe it or not, the Americans actually shot first doesn't uh, mean very much in regards to history but uh, 
the Americans did shoot first on the 7th of December. When the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, there were 80 US ships docked there. They had seven battleships that were all docked in a in a row and one in a dry dock. These were the main the main attacks. They also had destroyers that were docked there and these destroyers were accessible via torpedoes. Now, the battleships were not accessible to be hit with torpedoes. They had to be bombed directly from the top or, as I'm sure many of you know, by the Zeros or the Zero planes actually attacking directly onto the battleship themselves. There are many instances of pilots flying their plane in a suicide mission into these ships that are docked at Pearl Harbor. Luckily for the Americans, if any part of that day was lucky, um, they had three aircraft carriers. All three of these aircraft carriers were out of dock on that day doing maneuvers. And for those of you who haven't heard the Battle of Midway, which was an episode we did last year, go back and listen to that because that is... uh, what happened after Pearl Harbor and had the Japanese taken out the aircraft carriers on the same day again there could be quite a bit of a difference to America's war effort but luckily for the Americans the their three main ships were not docked at Pearl Harbor on that day Japan attacked with over 300 planes and six submarines they had a and and obviously the the ships that we mentioned earlier the first wave 49 level bombers attacked Pearl Harbor now there were supposed to be 50 but one of them had to abort for whatever reason all of these planes were equipped with an 800 kilogram bomb and 40 of them were also equipped equipped with a type 91 torpedo and like i said these were the new types of torpedoes that did not need to go as deep into the water which was really really successful for the japanese due to the shallow waters at pearl harbor this first wave uh, consisted like i said of, of dive bombers and torpedo bombers the dive bombers reached pearl harbor before the torpedo bombers and were in a situation where they could wipe out the American airfields and this is exactly what their plan was the torpedo bombers then attacking Pearl Harbor were looking for the aircraft carriers this was their main target and when they realized these aircraft carriers weren't there they ended up attacking the ships that were there anyway these were the USS Utah Tangier Raleigh and Detroit the Utah was hit twice and capsized at about 10 past 8. The next wave of attack came round the side of Pearl Harbor and looking for battleships. They were they were looking for the big battleships that America had. Um, dropping torpedoes, they ended up hitting the USS Helena, uh, which was not a battleship. It was a cruiser, but it was double docked. Okay, so that means it had another ship alongside it which from the air would have given the impression of a slightly larger ship. Obviously, in this instance, they just hit 
you know, they hit a cruiser rather than a battleship. The rest of the pilots behind, obviously noticing that the Helena was not a battleship, carried on their route and went to what we call Battleship Row, which is where all the US battleships were docked. The next wave of attack was basically directed at Battleship Row. Now, for those of you who are aware of the layout of Pearl Harbor, you will know that with these ships docked in, it's virtually impossible to attack them. Okay, it left a six-second window if they were to fly over the island. Now, there is a small strait or southeast strip of water that approached the battleship row. They approached on the left-hand side for the USS Oklahoma and the USS West Virginia. These were basically the main targets for the Japanese torpedo bombers, meaning the rest of the ships were virtually unattackable with torpedoes from the way they had to come in. They sent 12 planes in a row, basically in single file. All 12 fired torpedoes on the first wave and all 12 hit either the West Virginia or USS Oklahoma. One plane decided to make a maneuver towards the USS California, which was in a dry dock. Quite a skillful move, quite a very tight move, and managed to drop his torpedo and hit the USS California. Now, what we've got to remember is these fighters were very, very low to the water, and they were under constant fire. Contrary to belief, the Americans at this point sort of almost 45 minutes into the attack were stationed at their anti-aircraft points they were firing on these aircraft and they were under constant fire on their bombing raids bombers do not move very fast so these planes were not they were not easy to maneuver and they were not very let's say they were not very maneuverable they were not very skillful on getting out of the way so a lot of these planes were getting hit um, by the American anti-aircraft one more plane managed to hit the California and another plane because of the constant fire had to change course and dropped its uh, torpedo and ended up hitting the USS Nevada now five out of the next seven planes were shot down by the anti-aircraft fire so when we say when we look at Pearl Harbor I know a lot of people believe that this was completely a Japanese um, you know victory no Japanese suffered anything but we now know or we, we know that uh, they shot down planes and obviously these Japanese fighter pilot or these Japanese pilots um, were not all successful all in all 12 torpedoes were fired at the USS Oklahoma. Five hit, and the USS Oklahoma capsized in just 15 minutes. West Virginia was hit by seven torpedoes, but due to the work on the ship and the, the counter moves on, from the sailors on the ship, uh, it did sink, but it sunk straight down. Now, like I said, with Pearl Harbor, because it's so shallow, 
these ships didn't completely go underwater. They just sort of sunk and sat at the bottom of the, the seabed. The USS California was probably the shock of the day. It was hit by two torpedoes and that was it. Unfortunately, like I said, it was in dry dock, which means it was under inspection. There were no sailors on board, which meant that the hatches were open and it was pretty catastrophic. Those two torpedoes were enough to sink her and unfortunately even getting the crew back on board to to try and close the hatches and, and save her it was too little too late the japanese in this wave created a 48% 48% hit rate 19 torpedoes hit their mark the next wave of attack were what we call high bombers now when we look at Pearl Harbor and we look at the way the ships were docked, especially on Battleship Row, there were four ships that were dockside. Okay, so they were they were the side the other side of the Oklahoma and the West Virginia. They were basically inaccessible to torpedoes. Okay. So these dive bombers, their plan was to come in from the top and attack just the ships that were dockside, so the ships that they couldn't attack from torpedoes. These planes came down in groups of five, and they actually scored a, in total a 20% hit rate. Now, although that doesn't sound very good, that is quite a high percentage for pilots of these days and for aircrafts of these days. Now, if anybody remembers back to the... Uh, the dam busters episode you'll know that basically the chances of actually getting a bomb to hit from these planes at these altitudes is virtually impossible it's very 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 difficult so to hit 20 percent is very very good and they did a very good job of getting these bombs to hit their targets luckily for the americans 60% of the bombs that hit the USS Maryland, Tennessee, and Arizona, which were the three ships that are dockside, were duds. They didn't explode. Now, if you can imagine how many, how, how much more damage could have been caused had the extra 60% exploded on top of these three ships. The most shocking part of this was the USS Arizona. Now, for many of you have probably heard of the USS Arizona uh, being one of the biggest catastrophes of Pearl Harbor. It was only hit twice out of all three ships as they come down the line. It was the third ship in line. But just like uh, many ships at the time, if it's hit in the right spot, it will explode. And one of the bombs actually managed to get into the magazine hold and exploded the ship it was catastrophic it took more than a thousand sailors with it and it split in two the USS Arizona was the biggest casualty single casualty from Pearl Harbor it was not expected to happen but that is um, like I said unfortunately with, with ships of these these times um, much like the, the Bismarck episode with HMS Hood, if you get a shot direct into that magazine hole, there's nothing stopping it. It's a fireball and a massive explosion, and the USS Arizona 
took, like I said, it took over a thousand sailors to their grave that day. And if you want to see it, there is actually a video that has been recorded of the hit on the magazine, uh, the magazine cartridge on the USS Arizona. Um, it's not for faint-hearted. It is. It is quite devastating to watch. Um, knowing when you know how many men died in that explosion, um, it's not a. It's not a nice watch. Um, but if you are interested, you can. You can see the the attack on Pearl Harbor. There are many, many videos of the attack, um, but you can actually see the, the explosion on the USS Arizona because it was videoed at the time. Now, whilst all this was going on in the air, the Japanese submarines actually attempted to enter Pearl Harbor. One of them entered, fired a shot at the USS Curtis, which missed the Curtis returned fire and hit with a five inch shell. It was then approached by the USS Monaghan, um, where, which was a, a destroyer. It then fired its second torpedo at the Monaghan and missed again. And the Monaghan rammed it and depth charged it to the bottom. So the Japanese sub was sunk in Pearl Harbor. Whilst this was going on, the USS Nevada, which was the only battleship that America had left at this point, was making its way out of Pearl Harbor. It had got a crew on board and was ready to leave, ready to, I don't know, maybe put some sort of counterattack together, um, or at least try and save some form of this uh, naval fleet that America had left. You would think at this point Japan was done, but no, they had a second wave of 167 planes. Their main goal was to attack what was left. Essentially, they were supposed to take out the aircraft carriers. This was obviously at this point they didn't, you know, obviously they knew they weren't there, but at the start the plan was to take out the aircraft carriers should any of them be left to attack the battleships should any be left and to attack the cruisers they were not to attack auxiliary ships or um, smaller vessels and this caused a bit of a problem because the first wave was so successful the second wave essentially didn't have you know they they, they didn't have anything to, to aim at because most of the destroyers were gone um, the battleships were all on fire. There were no aircraft carriers. And the cruisers were almost un unattainable. So they approached under very, very heavy fire. So at this point, the Americans are well aware of what's going on. And they are returning fire, heavy fire. And they are causing a lot of damage to these Japanese planes coming in. They notice the USS Nevada on its way out or on its maneuvers trying to salvage something um, and they couldn't resist the temptation and they attacked the USS Nevada. It was hit five times, caught fire and had to beach itself um, in, in Pearl Harbor before it even left the port. So the Nevada was now completely unusable as well. Although they sunk the Nevada, 
it was poor target selection. They really wasn't uh, wasn't worth going after it. It was damaged already. It was not really a threat. There were a lot more ships in port um, and a lot bigger threats to go for. And they targeted the USS California. That was only hit one more time uh, out of uh, out of five. The rest of the dive bombers attacked the USS Pennsylvania. Now, the Pennsylvania was the flagship of the American battleships. It was the biggest. It was the best. And luckily for the Pennsylvania, it was in dock. Okay, so it was well protected on both sides and very, very hard to actually attack. It had two destroyers in front of it, meaning that although that kind of gives it a bigger target, it had the Downs and the Cassin in front of it, it was harder to attack. Okay, it was a bigger target because of that, but it is a very, very small area where it was. Okay. If you get an aerial footage of it, it'd be the best way of explaining it. But it is in a very thin channel, and these dive bombers were not very accurate. In fact, it was there; they were that inaccurate that although all of them aimed at the Pennsylvania, it was only hit once, and the two cruisers in front were hit: two on the Cassin and one on the Downs. So, out of all of the attacks on the one ship, there were only four that hit. And only one actually hit the Pennsylvania. Now there is quite a famous picture of these ships in in dock, and if you can get a look at it, you will see what I, what I'm saying. That the Cassin was actually damaged that badly; it capsized, and the Downs was was hit, and it, it you know it was almost like a wreck, but was still a floating wreck. Um, and you'll see the size of, of the Pennsylvania and why it was the flagship um, with with smoke coming out the back of it. It's quite a famous photo. But obviously, you know that you can see there how how small that channel is for it to have been attacked. I mean, you're talking maybe 10 foot on either side of the battleship. It's really not a big channel um, and... Obviously, with the inaccuracy of these pilots, it kind of saved that battleship's life. The Japanese did quite a lot of damage to the Americans uh, and to their battleships. But they didn't attack the ships that they were supposed to attack. Now, they were sent in to attack cruisers and attack aircraft carriers. Obviously, the aircraft carriers were not there. But there were a lot of cruisers there, and they missed a lot of heavy targets that they they probably could have got. Now, the USS Honolulu was one of the only um, cruisers that was hit, but it was in a dock with four other cruisers. Okay, and this dock was pretty much missed completely by the Japanese. I think it was only attacked around fifteen times, and only one hit the Honolulu. In fact, if I remember correctly, it didn't actually hit it. It sort of grazed it and caused very minimal damage. These ships were the newest the newest of the new for the American Navy. Cruisers were 
slowly beginning to replace the big battleships of the day. Although, obviously, the battleships were the pride, they were the big targets, but they were not the most dangerous in the fleet. Cruisers were becoming more and more dangerous than battleships as time went on. Uh, hence why we don't have battleships anymore. Those big, massive iron ships don't really exist in navies anymore because they're slow. They take up a lot of manpower. They've got a lot of firepower, but they're so slow, it doesn't really matter. You can maneuver a cruiser around it and, and sink them very quickly. So they are not, they are not as good. Obviously, they still managed to sink more or less all of the American battleships at Pearl Harbor. But was it a success? You know, can you look at Pearl Harbor as a success? Now, on the one hand, they killed 2,335 people, and over a thousand of those were killed on the USS Arizona. 1,178 people wounded, and 68 of the people that died were civilian casualties or civilian dead. So, can you look at it as a success? They didn't attack as many ships as they could have done. They didn't go for the cruisers that they were supposed to go for. The aircraft carriers were not in dock, which is what they were main, mainly looking to attack. The attacks on the battleships were very successful. However, in the sense of Japanese style, the samurai warrior falls on his sword and so on and so forth and none of the Japanese wanted to return to Japan saying we attacked the USS Honolulu the small little cruiser that's just to the side of Pearl Harbor they all wanted to go back and say we sunk a battleship we sunk an aircraft carrier we went for the biggest baddest target in Pearl Harbor so it's all about pride and if you put a killing blow onto a battleship or you you hit a bomb or a torpedo directly onto a battleship then it was that pride that the Japanese had but because of that pride did they potentially not fulfill the targets that they were supposed to ha uh, supposed to hit now they did manage to sink a few um they sunk the Arizona, the Oklahoma, the West Virginia, the California, the Nevada was beached, the Utah was sunk, the Ogala and a Vestal was also sunk. There was heavy damage to the USS Shaw, Cassin, Downs, Helena, Raleigh and Curtis and very light damage to the Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Maryland and Honolulu. Out of all of the ships that were sunk, only two were lost forever, and that was the Arizona and the Oklahoma. The rest were pulled out, repaired, and saw battle again. The Americans were sparked at Pearl Harbor to get involved, and boy did they get involved. When we say they woke up a sleeping giant, this was probably the most 
catastrophic mistake Japan could have made in that Second World War. So when we look at was Pearl Harbor a success for the Japanese or was it was it bad? Was it successful or was it a loss? I would say from my personal point of view that they lost. They made a wrong decision on what they attacked. They left the cruisers. They they didn't find the um, the aircraft carriers. They could have waited. They could have waited a few days for the aircraft carriers to come into port. Um, and again, boy, did they feel the vengeance of those aircraft carriers six months later at uh, Midway. They they didn't they didn't do the damage that they should have done. Yes, they took a lot of lives. Yes, they killed a lot of people. Uh, yes, they took America completely by surprise. But had they have not done that, I wonder if America would have got involved in the war. Because although we were calling for their help, um, and, and we were, let's not get this wrong, guys, uh, Churchill was on the phone every day to Roosevelt saying we need help we need help um, and America answered they sent pilots over um, they sent planes they sent tanks they sent a lot over to help the British but until Pearl Harbor that was when they got involved and had they not have got involved we potentially I, I do still believe from a British perspective um, that the Allies would have come out victorious. Um, I do believe that Hitler's decision to split his forces between the Western Front and the Eastern Front in Russia was the biggest uh, mistake that he made, or the biggest mistake that Germany made during the war. I do believe that had the Americans not got involved, that Britain would have come out victorious. Um, would it have been in 1945? I doubt that very, very much. I believe the war would have been a lot longer, a lot more painful, a lot more damaging to this country, um, both financially and um, obviously emotionally for, for men getting involved in the war. Um, I do think that America's involvement in the Second World War cemented the victory it sped up the victory and genuinely i bet the japanese uh regretted the day they decided to attack pearl harbor and it is a day that americans will never forget i think you know 80 years this year and it's quite a, a poignant point that uh I don't think it's uh, definitely part of history now and it's part of history that will stay with us hopefully uh, for a long long time and like I always say we learn from history we do not recreate it um, so I hope to all you Americans out there and I do know some of you who listen are forces based and will know loads about Pearl Harbor and, and the battle the battle itself I know I'm almost certain one of my listeners is part of the US Navy um, 
so again I'm sure he knows a hell of a lot more about this than, than what I do but hopefully you guys will will agree with me that you know I've I've done this justice I think I, I didn't want to paint this in any way a Japanese victory because to my personal opinion I, I don't think it was I think the fact that they awoke the biggest giant that's ever lived on this planet was probably their biggest downfall and I hope that uh, you guys have enjoyed the story for those of you who don't know much about Pearl Harbor um, I know it's something that we know in this country purely from the film um, I, I've seen the film, it's a great film I don't know much about it until I researched it I did start researching it last year um, and then realised that this year was the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor and thought it would be more poignant to do it this year so for those of you who have enjoyed this and haven't listened to the other episodes go over to the Battle of Midway sorry I completely lost my thought there go over to the Battle of Midway it was recorded last year be around episode 20 25 something like that um, and that will show you the aftermath of Pearl Harbor the American retaliation to Pearl Harbor and when the Japanese realized that they actually had very very little chance of coming out of the Second World War with a W for those of you who don't know a W is a win <laughs> that's uh, an old uh, American football term so hopefully like I said we've all enjoyed this let me know what you thought of this episode it uh, seems a bit strange to be doing an episode at the moment without my dad because uh, he's got a few more coming up. I know the last couple of episodes have been with him. Uh, he's done a few more as well, which will all be uh, coming out very, very shortly. So hopefully we shall hear his silky tones very shortly and in the next few episodes. But for the for now, thank you for listening, guys. And just remember, we all have history, so make yours great. Bye-bye. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. When you need milk for Zoe and a cold brew for yourself, Kroger Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. Open the Kroger app and start your cart. Whatever the cart. Whenever, wherever. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Delivery time's not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at Kroger.com boost. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'.
Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today.